Welcome to Plum Deluxe Tea Time, the podcast where we put the kettle on, sit down with a hot beverage and have thoughtful conversations about what it means to create moments that matter. This podcast is brought to you by the Plum Deluxe Tea of the Month Club. For only $10 a month, you'll receive hand-blended teas and be part of a very supportive tea community. Visit plumdeluxe.com slash tea to learn more. Now here's your Tea Time host, Plum Deluxe founder and creator, Andy Hayes. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Deluxers. Welcome to this edition of Plum Deluxe Tea Time. I have with me, a, a, who's someone who's become a dear friend because she's a member of our Tea Club community, and her name is Katie Taylor. Today, Katie and I are talking about a number of really interesting topics. I said in the episode, it felt at a moment that we were kind of on the dictionary episode because we were really diving in behind some of these terms that I feel like can really provide a lot of value for all of us. So we start by talking about what is practicing presence, which is something that it really embodies, I think, Katie's work. And what does practice mean and what does presence mean? What's all behind that? It's uh, like all of these things. It's not black and white. It's a continuum. And so the conversation gets rich and soulful really quickly. We then talk about community. You know, that's how Katie and I know each other. She's become a part of my community. Katie also has a community of her own. And so we really talk about how community impacts our life and, and why it's so important. And then we get into a conversation about the sacred. The sacred is different for everyone. It's uh, got a dot in front of it, <laughs> but which uh, makes it sound like it's a thing, but it's different for everyone. And we really talk about how things that are sacred are not a part of modern culture enough as they should be. We talk about some tea time rituals, and then we end with a talk about a personality quiz that I find really interesting and helpful. And Katie is an expert on that. And so you want to make sure you stick around for that because that part is really interesting as well. So who is Katie Taylor? She's this amazing, fabulous woman from St. Paul, Minnesota. But specifically, Katie calls herself a holistic life coach. She is a yoga teacher and instructor. I really want to go to St. Paul and try one of her classes And she has a number of certifications that support her in being a mentor, a soul companion, and she really helps people to uncover their own inner wisdom. She really helps people understand just how to bring more of life into your everyday. What brings you alive? What brings you joy? And what's in the way? You know, if you think of it as a flower garden, I think she uses this analogy on her website how do you get those vibrant flowers with the biggest blooms and get rid of those weeds and tend to all the things that are needed so i think this is going to be a really powerful conversation like all of our episodes you know there's a a variety of different topics but this episode in particular it's interesting how the conversation builds as we go from one point to the next and so i'm just delighted not only to highlight someone in our community in this way, but to share some of these insights with you. I know I learned a lot in this episode, and I'm sure you will as well. So without further ado, Katie Taylor from katietaylor.com, K-A-T-Y, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R.
Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, the Luxers. Welcome to another episode of Plum Deluxe Tea Time. I'm your host, Plum Deluxe founder and creator, Andy Hayes. And I'm just delighted that today we have one of our own community members with us on the call, Katie Taylor. And today we're going to be talking about a variety of really interesting topics, ranging from practice to presence to something really interesting about a personality test that I like. So stay tuned to all that. So Katie, welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, Blair. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. So Katie, you're a member of the Tea Club, so that's how we know you. You are in Minnesota. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's not freezing there already. (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) And you have brought this, I just want to acknowledge you as we start our conversation today, you've brought a wonderful presence of mindfulness, of thoughtfulness, of your contributions to what you shared with our groups. I wanted to just thank you for being a part of our circle. It's been wonderful. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed being part of the key community. It's a very friendly, welcoming community. So, Katie, your website, the thing that grabs me immediately when I see what you talk about is your tagline, which is Practice presence for life. So what does that mean? I think that's a great place to start. What does practicing presence mean to you? That's a great question because I think we throw the word around a lot, you know, talk about let's just be present. But if you really dig into it, it's really about, I like to think about it as about all three centers. So being present means that I'm here physically in this body. So that means I'm aware of my body. I'm aware of what I'm sensing, how my body is speaking to me through the language of sensation. I'm aware of what's going on in my body, how I'm being affected in my body in this moment. So right now as I sit here talking to you, I'm aware of my feet on the floor. I'm aware of a sense of groundedness. But I'm also aware of some kind of bubbly excitement energy just being here on the phone with you. And that's part of being present is being present here with my body exactly as, I'll say, she is, because I'm a woman, so exactly as she is. But then it's not just being physically here. It's also having our heart online. So the heart represents the area of us that is about our feelings. And I like to think of feelings. It's the way that we're, they express how we're being touched by life. So our feelings are telling us how life is affecting us, how life is impressing itself upon us. So, again, here I am with you, and feelings, the feeling sensation part of this for me, as I mentioned, the sensation, a little bit of bubbliness, a little bit of excitement, and the feeling, excitement, and also some, there's like some happiness and some enthusiasm in my heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my heart is touched. So being present is also about being aware of how my heart is. And then it's also about the mind. So my mind, being present with the mind, means that my mind isn't just flying all over to lots of different thoughts, but there's a mindful, focused awareness. I'm aware of my mind, so maybe my mind does want to jitter around, but I'm able to bring the mind back to this moment, and I'm able to be here responding to this question about presence because my mind is able to settle here in this moment. And in the moment, as I sense my mind, yeah, there's a little bit like of an anticipatory feeling, anticipation of what's coming that I feel like is more of a mind quality. So being present means all three centers are here, all three are online, open, available, and not being shut down, but being listened to, being respected, being 
included as part of the picture. Beautiful. I have a question for your follow-up. I find, I know that I do this and I know that other people do this. I feel qualified to say that this is kind of a thing. But when you, <laughs> I, I was thinking about your three sections and when you got to the mind, I think that's the one that's a, definitely can trip us up because it's very easy to spend a lot of our present moment replaying the past, trying to figure out like what went wrong or how to do it differently or just deciphering a feeling or, you know, how many times have we kind of had a bad experience or something didn't go well and we just keep replaying it, sort of like emotional subterfuge. We just keep looking at it instead of, and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of that. You definitely need to kind of be aware where you've come from to know where you're going. But if people are doing that, know that, know that somebody also do it. I know it's not just me. No, we <laughs> no, all do it. This is, this is the human condition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, say that, like the mind is the biggest trip up, or, or can we get tripped up on any, any of the three? I would say we can get tripped up on any of them, but in this culture that we live in, because the mind is so overvalued, basically, I think the mind is the major place we get tripped up. Because mm-hmm. we have, in this culture, in this society, we we have paid more attention to that aspect of ourselves, and we've thought that it is what will save us. It is what will help us. It is what will get us where we need to go, when really we have to bring all three centers online for that, mm-hmm. for a true following of our passion, or even a true knowing of where we want to go. So, yeah. as I said, it is the human condition for sure. And, and I think, and I think we can practice. I think, you know, practice presence for life. You know, I, it, different practices work for different people, but I think we need ways, like you said, to be aware of what's going on, what's actually happening in the mind. It's not just about shutting it down and trying to be present because if we're shutting something off, we're not being present. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we need practices to manage, manage the mind, and to help the mind calm down and to feel more able to let go and release and be open. You know, the 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 presence of the mind can feel like a still, spacious, vast openness, and that's you know very far away from what happens when we're running over things, we're trying to mm-hmm. get in the mind loops and, yeah, thinking about what we did or didn't say and how it could have been better and blah, 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 blah. It's like the exact opposite of what the true qualities, the possibility of the mind is. And the important word here is practice. I mean, you know, you start your tagline with practice. It's mm-hmm. a verb. It's a noun. It's probably an adjective <laughs> somehow. I don't know right now. And that's the, <laughs> and that's the important thing to remember. You know, is that it? All these things are a practice. That's just kind of how this whole experience has been built. So there's always an opportunity to try to be more present. And if mm-hmm. you're not where you want to be, that's fine. It's nothing to be guilty of or ashamed of because that's just going to take you further away from where you want to be. Instead, exactly. just acknowledge. You know, hmm. I seem to be really, you know, running my monkey mind way too much. I I need to practice not doing that. So even that awareness makes you a little more present in the moment because you're seeing it. Yes, yes. Even just being aware of your current mental, physical condition is being present. Even if you're being aware of of an unoptimal condition. (laughs) Yes. Like, like, oh, you know, I've I've been having a lot of pain in my body and I've been ignoring it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, wake up call, you know, yeah. your practice now is what are you going to do with that? Are you going right. to continue to ignore it or are you going to now change your behavior and listen and see if there's uh, something there for you? And you can, I think it helps to think about it. It's not like um, you're present or you're not. It's not black and white. It's not a dualism. It's a it's a continuum. There's a continuum yeah. of presence. You know, on one end, there there are people like Jesus and Gandhi and the Buddha and people who are very present. Thich Nhat Hanh, the Dalai Lama, you know, Mother Teresa. There are people who practice a lot, and and grace helps, you know, and they they're 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 on one end, right? And then on the other end is this level of maybe complete unhealth mentally, you know, maybe pathological problems. But there's a whole range between those two, and that's where most of us fall. And any moment that we realize, oh, I've been ignoring my body, or oh, I'm being really pulled around by my monkey mind, any moment that we can see that we're a little bit more present than we were a moment ago. So that's what we practice is just becoming aware of what's really here. And then we practice becoming a little more aware and a little more present through that awareness. Yeah. And that timeline, that continuum is individual. So don't make the mistake of judging your insides by someone else's outsides because you don't know. Exactly. It's uh, all very personal. You know, Katie, one thing that I really love about you is that in the work that you do, you really talk a lot about community and how community can support the things that we're talking about. So t- tell me from your perspective and your experience, how has community played a part in the work that you do and, and why do you talk a lot about community? Yeah. So I found on my journey that it's easy to feel like I'm more present or more awake when I'm alone. <laughs> and this is true, you know, living alone and not having a partner or, you know, doing my own spiritual practice but not getting together in community. It's like it's easy to feel so more awake, to feel better, to feel healthy, to feel good. And it's when I get into community, in relationship, I do have a husband, or into practice groups or gatherings, that's where I get to really do the real practice of being aware of myself, being aware of other, and and finding that connection between the two, where it's not all about me and me being me and my presence and me and my spiritual awakening or whatever, but it's about how does that interact with somebody else, and how does that other person then reflect back to me what I need to see, what what I can't see all alone. How is that person my mirror? How is that person my teacher? Even if I may be the supposed teacher or facilitator of, of a class or a group, I'm still there to learn. I'm still there to participate as a practitioner with each other, with each of the other people. So you can't do that alone. You can't, I don't think you can wake up alone. Many spiritual teachers, I mean, maybe you can have your awakening moment, but I don't think you can keep waking up, you know, and really, mm-hmm. really do it unless you're with other people and you, practice with them yeah that's a fascinating thought i've never really thought about that but i just when i think about it i just feel like you could be awake but i don't really feel like you wouldn't have the full experience you might even not even know if there was nothing there was no interaction to feel that from yes that's a beautiful Um, way to say it yes for sure we can awaken but we don't know what we're missing we don't know what more there is 
because it's in, in community and in connection and contact with other that we actually know ourselves in another way, in a deeper way. In fact, that reminds me, have you ever heard, there's a beautiful Sufi saying um, that the reason God created the world was because God not, wanted to know God's self. Mm. God wanted to be wanted to know, feel, be God's self. And so God needed to have an other, needed to have an expression, something else to interact with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah, and I know in my experience, our tea club is really more about community than about trying to mail people tea, even though that is part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a, a beautiful yeah. part of it. <laughs> it's a beautiful part of it, but that's kind of more to it. But I have noticed, particularly in in this instance, but I've noticed it in other ways too, is that you know the the things that you do in community sometimes have surprising outcomes. For example, you you may find that um, just uh, acknowledging someone in a community group or telling them how much you like what they do or find them really interesting. Just a simple kindness can really set someone off on a new trajectory that they were were lacking. You know that they may have just been a little down in the dumps or sad, and maybe just missing out on an opportunity in their own life that is, has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with how you met. But just that simple kindness created a reaction there. So I know Oprah was here. You know, I would say I would know for sure that you know these community interactions do have ripple effects somehow. I don't think there's like a linear relationship, but definitely some kind of magic happens when we are together, for sure. I agree. And I I love what you said. I think we don't know how our actions are going to affect the other. And we also don't even know in community necessarily what we're going to say or do. It's like we get to be affected by the other, too. Right? Mm-hmm, it's a, this beautiful mm-hmm. inter interaction thing where a new part of us gets invited to come alive potentially because we're in contact with somebody other than us, somebody different from us. So it's it's really a beautiful invitation on both directions. So let's talk about examples because I don't want people to feel like the sense not achievable. So community could be anything. So it could be a book club. It could be you could arrange, you know, your girlfriends to have, you know, wine on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. It could be brunch. People at your house for brunch. And it could be virtual. And I know, Katie, you, you've done, um, like, virtual tea time groups. I mean, are you still doing that? Right now I'm not. But I've been involved in a number of different virtual communities that I've um, participated in and also served as a mentor in. So, yes, it can definitely be virtual. And, and again, it's just, it's that thing of just we show up and we find out who's there and what's, what gets, what gets invited from us. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do we say? Who, what's needed in the moment? How am I being asked to show up? What do we have to say? How am I, how am I being asked to support someone else? Or how am I being, do I need to show up and ask for support for myself? Do I need to tell my story? Do I need to show up and just say, hey, listen to me? So it's like, it, it's both. Yeah, and then I would also say, since you were defining community, I just came from teaching a yoga class, and that's a community, too. You know, even though I was teaching it, it was a community. We were practicing together. You know, we were there, and I learned from them, from watching what what 
how they were experiencing the teaching and the poses. Mm-hmm. I get to learn mm-hmm. and interact differently than if I'm just practicing what I'm going to teach at home. So, yeah, I think it's anywhere yeah. that a couple people, more than one person is gathered, can feel like a community. Yeah, that's a great example. I keep, I forgot that you teach yoga. That's so cool. You have like this constellation of stars that I think is really fascinating to me. Of, of <laughs> Thank things you. That you do. <laughs> Uh, really interesting. So, yeah. so folks listening, I, I, I challenge you to take action on this conversation. So if you feel like you don't have community, I think about how you could find that and you could find it online or locally. And then if you are already in a community of some sort, I'm, I challenge you to be seen in that group. We just had a podcast before this one about being seen and I think that's a nice tie-in here to that conversation. You know, how how are you showing up there? Are you just kind of a wallflower, kind of just hanging out along the sidelines? I challenge you to do something, even if it's really small, to be kind of seen in that group. And that could simply be thanking the organizer for what they do. You know, maybe telling them, like if you were in, you know, Katie's yoga class, you could say, you know, the way that you explain this pose really has helped. It's really helpful. You know, I, I just don't see that. So thank you for doing that. You could, it could be a simple kindness to the organizer, or you could offer, you know, just some, something to contribute to the group. You know, if you just have a piece of knowledge, or if you have done something that the other group members might find inspirational or useful, or just say hello, just, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I really enjoy us, period. You know, people like that. That's enough. You don't have to kind of go for the races here. So that's my little challenge. <laughs> community. That's that's lovely. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. we're on a roll with these words. Uh, this is like the dictionary episode for me. So we're talking about practice, talking about <laughs> presence, talking about community. So now I want to talk about a word, sacred. Uh-huh. You have a great ebook about the sacred. And, and sacred is such a, I love saying it. I just, it mm-hmm. makes me feel alive to say this word, sacred. But at the same time, I mean, maybe it's me because I'm a sci-fi fan, but Sacred, you can kind of picture, you know, medieval chalices and kind of like old jewelry and, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a word with the history uh, in a good way and a bad way. So, and I think my personal opinion is, is that our culture today, we have a lack of things that are sacred. So talk to me about sacred from your perspective. Can we define it maybe a little bit or put some illumination around it and then how, how does that play into some of the things we've been talking about so far? Yeah, this is a great question. So I'm just kind of, yeah, I'm kind of think, thinking into it for a minute. I love great questions. So. Yeah. So what I feel as I sense into this word sacred, I feel again, a kind of grounded physical fullness in my presence. And I feel that I also feel like an alignment, like a verticality coming up through my body. And like there's this rootedness into the earth and this verticality of me coming up and reaching towards the heavens. So it's almost like I feel like this, oh, you said the word chalice, like a, like a chalice or like a flame, like this connecting of heaven and earth. And I think, so what that gives to me as I, as I take that in is that it is things are sacred that help us connect heaven and earth. Things are sacred that we can create sacred time 
and it is sacred space or sacred time that helps us feel not not like disembodied and just flying up to heaven, you know, but rooted <laughs> in the earth and in contact with heaven. Both. It's both, right? I'm not I'm not talking about spiritual bypassing here. I'm talking about how do we be here in a human body and connected with that which we value and love and hold most dear. And that which helps us to do that is sacred. So for some people, it's ritual. And it's certain, you know, putting yourself in certain, you know, in a church or in nature. It's different things for different people, for sure. But it's that which helps you be present and connected with however you name that, which with that spiritual reality, that true nature, that essence, that whatever you, however you name that. Mm. Did I hear anything there? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I hear people clapping. Um, <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> the word that comes to mind a lot for me when I hear this term is rich, and not in the terms of a lot of money, but in the terms of something that really hits your senses in a not necessarily a kind of explosive way, but like really deep, you know, rich, like an old team that your, you know, grandmother gave you, like drinking tea out of that just has some such rich memories to it and feeling. Could be, you know, like we just got a puppy, so you know that that puppy unconditional love feels very rich to me and can feel very sacred. Like, oh, you know, the puppy loves you so much. Mm-hmm. Time with time with him is sacred. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I feel like, and, and this is, you touched on rituals, and there's a reason why if you sign up for a newsletter, you get a copy of this free one-pager worksheet that I made a couple of years ago, all about making moments that matter. And it was kind of my, like, how do I get everything in, out of my brain into one page? And there's a section on that piece of paper called uh, Creative Rituals, something, something rituals creativity and rituals. And I I put that in there very specifically because to me these sacred moments you know, call it what it is, sacred moments. Mm-hmm. They they're they could be things but I think they always involve time with them. Time with the teacup, time with the puppy, time with your journal, time with your significant other. They're kind of like to me they just kind of weight you in your human experience. They kind of help you remember like why you're down here and why you're dealing with all those challenges and why you're able to enjoy all your successes. You know, they're just kind of these waypoints, I feel like, that you need to make for yourself. It's it's you know, kind of like being at sea or something and, and remember the sailors used to use the stars as their navigational aid. So I think for me Things that are sacred are navigational aids. That's beautiful. Navigational aids. And yeah. we need to make space for them. I think you, you mentioned time. It, I think things, there's this, this juxtaposition between ordinary time and sacred time. Or, and I think the difference is that we make time for something and that's what makes it sacred. We, we respect it. We give, we, we give value to it. We set it aside as important. And we value it. We, there's a, a reverence 
to that time and whether that time is being with this puppy and experiencing unconditional love or whether it's writing in my journal and focusing what I need to work out to that's going on with my monkey mind, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, right it's time that we've set aside and we're holding special. We're holding it as sacred in order to practice, you know, in order to practice mm-hmm. being more whole mm-hmm. because that's what it all comes down to. We're all trying to be more whole, more completely human and here in this life, you know, not just being pulled around by the mind, but in all of ourselves. And these and having things that are sacred, that we hold sacred, that we that we prioritize is a really important part of that practice. Mm. And again, I love how our topics seem to really be tying together nicely. I will repeat something I said earlier. A difference. <laughs> Your Sacred is not someone else's sacred, so you don't, you know, mm-hmm. need to compare them. You can share them, and you might let them know, you know, Katie, I love our, you know, Sunday morning tea time. It's really sacred for me, I, and and this is why. So you can you can share them, of course, but uh, if you have things that seem trivial or silly, but they bring you great joy and are those navigational aids, then that's great. You know, it's cool. Nobody needs nobody needs to judge. And if people are judging what you feel is sacred, then those are not very good friends, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you can, when we do share the same thing that feels sacred, then we go back to community again, right? So, you know, maybe gathering for tea time is that sacred thing that we're doing together. Or maybe it's going to church and there's a gathering at church because we're all finding that that's sacred time. And there we are in community enjoying sacred time together so it can be either way for sure it's very individual and we have to listen to that because going back to your phrase that's listening to what is sacred to us is following our own inner navigation and if we don't follow our own inner navigation we won't find our way home truth bomb right there people that's a good one (laughs) to to listen to the recording for that that was really good Katie, what are your, um, do you have sacred tea time rituals that you'd like to share? Do you have anything special that you really enjoy? I, yeah, well, my favorite one is my morning time ritual. When I get up in the morning, I have a number of things I do, but at some point I sit down with my pot, a little pot of tea, and in warmer weather I'm usually on the front porch. And sometimes it's always there to accompany me and I always look forward to when it's steeped and when it's ready. Sometimes I do my meditation while it's steeping and then mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. sip it when I'm done. Sometimes I sip it while I'm journaling, sometimes when I'm reading, but it's the, it's, it's one thing about my morning that never changes. I always have a pot of tea and I really enjoy it. I really look forward to that. Again, mm-hmm. that, that continuity, that regularity, that ritual. It's what it is. Yeah. It's a ritual. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I feel like it makes life easier. Do you think it just kind of kind of like a ground rock? You know, it's just it's there. I know that if I have a rough day or week or month or season, that's going to be there, and I can kind of hold on to that. I think that's true for any any ritual or any presence practice. Is that mm-hmm. it, we one of the reasons to practice, one of the reasons to have ritual, is so that we have that regular touch point, that point, that time that kind of brings us home, reminds us who we are, reminds us what we're doing. And we also practice 
so that when things are rough, there is a ground to come back to. You know, there is a ritual that will give us a sense of grounding or a sense of home or a sense of joy, whatever that is. But it's there because we practiced before we needed it, right? Yes, yes, yes. And that's so important. That's why these rituals, these presence practices are so important to practice now so that when things get rough, they're there to support us. <laughs> they're there to fall back into because they're they're rocks. They're they're there to hold us. They're available yeah. and ready to hold us. We yeah. practice before we need it. So important. <laughs> yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before I can come to my last question, I want to take kind of an interesting little tangent. And on your website, you talk about something that I've always found really interesting, which is the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And for those who have not heard of that, and it's Enneagram, like E-N-N-E-G-R-A-M, Enneagram, it is basically, you know, I, I hate to trivialize it this way, but it's kind of a personality type. So similar to your Myers-Briggs, but I find these to be much more interesting. What's been your experience? I have something I want to share, but tell me before I do that, what's been your experience with the Enneagram? Why do you have it on your website? Yeah, so what I find really valuable about the Enneagram is that it it is a personality typing system, but it's more than that. It is actually, I consider it more like a map of the soul. So what the Enneagram can show us is how, at a soul level, when we feel disconnected, there are nine, let me say it this way, there are nine flavors of feeling disconnected from who we really are. And I'll say who with a capital W, who we really are. So you can mm-hmm. consider them nine flavors of the divine, if you use those kinds of words, nine flavors of true nature. So what the Enneagram can show us is when we feel disconnected, of course, we all have the reaction of, I want to feel connected again. I want to feel whole again. I want to feel me again. I want to feel truth again. But each of the nine personality types takes that journey in a different way. And the personality is like, it's a perfect unspooling from that original feeling of separation. It's a compensation, really, that you can see the structure and why certain types go in a certain direction as the personality unfolds. So it's, it's much more than just a system where you're looking at traits. The traits all have meaning, and they go back to this original core loss. And that's why the type is behaving the way it does. So what it does is it gives you a lot of compassion and a lot of understanding for why we do the crazy shit we do sometimes. (laughs) You You can look deeper and go, oh, she was afraid of that. That's why she was behaving that way. You know, that's not how I think, but that's what's happening for her. You know, and it's just it's such a, a beautiful way to understand our humanity. And it's a compassionate way. Mm-hmm. So which number are you? I'm a one with a two wing. So that means primarily I'm a one, which is called the reformer. Some teachers call it the perfectionist because we have a lot of perfectionist tendencies in us. And then the two wing is the helper. So my reforming has a helping side to it. So I tend to be friendly and warm and caring and loving. And I'm also very much a teacher. I want to teach myself and others, how to be better people, how to live with more wholeness, how to be more congruent, more full of integrity. And that's mm. kind of the that pattern I'm, I'm on. But then as that gets less healthy, just to give you an example of me, 
as I get less healthy, as I get more stressed, here we are in the continuum again, the continuum of presence, right? So I'm getting, as I get less present, my teaching, my desire to be a good person and for everybody else to be a good person starts turning into, I see the way you're doing it wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. Let me show you how to be a good person. And it can get into judging and criticizing of myself because I'm not measuring up and of others because they're not. And so you, you know where that goes when that keeps going down. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it all comes from this core thing at the top where I, the, the qualities, we call them essence qualities. So the essence qualities for me as a one are the, the knowing myself as goodness, knowing myself as sacredness. And when I feel disconnected from that, that's when I start trying to be a good person and I start being afraid that I'm not. And then my whole personality takes shape from that sense of fear, from that fear and that loss. Mm, that's a great example. So you highlighted something. I'll share mine here in a second. I just yep. pulling it up. You shared something that I did want to comment on. So I have seen the Enneagram before, the nine types. And they kind of were like, eh, you know, whatever, Myers-Briggs, blah, blah, blah. But then I was involved in a ebook project that was, that was featuring all these creative entrepreneurs and how they were successful. And the person that wrote it actually took the time to, that we had to be in this, we had to fill out these, all these things that were like really detailed. But a lot of them were these tests. And one of them was the Enneagram test. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm a four, blah, blah. But she had us take the specific test that gave you three numbers, like a four with specific traits underneath it. And so I want to encourage people, if you are find this really interesting, to make sure that you get the, the additional feedback more than just a one through nine, because it's much more rich uh, detail. So I am a four six nine, which is the seeker. So I'm intuitive, inquisitive, accepting. And then here's I love this. This is what it says about me. My life mission is to raise the questions pertaining to the mysteries of life and share your findings with others. Uh hello, T nine podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the shadow side of a four six nine? It is uh feelings of self doubt and uncertainty. As a result, you need multiple sources of confirmation. For those of you who, since we're not on video, I'll let you know I'm nodding my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, for, so, so for 469, there's a lot of, um, you know, sleeping with bravery, a lot of confidence required. But I am aware that when I do feel this feeling of kind of self-doubt, I just think, okay, well, that's kind of my MO. That's my, op that's kind of an aspect of my operating system. Uh, to use mm -hmm. kind of a matrix symbolism, and I, I just know that. So I just, okay, well, I feel, I, I, I'm acknowledging I'm feeling really uncertain here, and do I need to do anything about that? Like, should I just keep going forward, or should I just check in? You know, is this a, something I need to check in on, get those confirmations? So that's why for me, like in business, I have a team, because then I can say to people, like, hey, I'm doing this thing. What are you saying? <laughs> and of course, you know, 99% of the time, my team is like, that's amazing. What a great idea. But, you know, on the 1%, you know, they say, oh, you know, have you thought about this? So, 469. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I'm not sure, how, is it a four with, is the six a wing? I'm not sure how to say that part. 
No, that, that I think probably the person that you took that with is probably um, Enneagram.net. I'm guessing Catherine and Chernick and David Favre. I think so, yeah. they, the yeah, they can yeah. try type. They have a, that's their theory that there's a try type. Most of the rest of the Enneagram teachers out there don't teach try type. They teach that there's a main type, and then we have all the rest of the types within us for sure, and they all affect us. But they focus more on one main type and maybe the wing. And the wing would be on the circle, the number next to you. So you could have a five wing or a three wing if, if it's a four is your primary type. Oh, interesting. Or you land more directly just in four and you don't have a strong wing. So they're kind of the only teachers out there that teach those that try type that teach oh, the them in that way. Yeah. Well, but it's no, not that well, not to say that there's anything wrong with it. There's lots of, you know, the other teachers teach that we have all nine types in us, too. And if the other types are high, then they obviously affect how we are. You know, we're not just one thing. That's what's so important about the Enneagram is that we're not just one type. We have all nine types within us. And part of being coming healthier and practicing is that we become, we, we develop these other sides of us so that we're not just so focused on being one way in the world. We become more well-rounded. So, yeah. Cool. So that's cool wow. that you were introduced to that and that that feels like it lands for you. And, you know, the other thing that occurs to me is that what you just read fits so well with your, your theme about making moments that matter, right? Part of the four, one of the, one of the key things for the four is wanting to feel connected to something deep and rich and real and to know myself, to know my true identity. And I often know that through my feelings and through creating something that feels personal, creative, intuitive, an expression of me. And to bring that into the moment. I feel like that's what you're doing in your work. Is how do I bring this deep, personal, creative expression of me into life, into mm-hmm. what I'm offering to others? And that is a big part of the path for the four is to learn how to do that and how to give that gift. So yeah. I feel like the work that you've chosen kind of lines up really well with that. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. So here's my yeah. disclaimer. And I say this about kind of any practice. If you engage with an Enneagram and you think it's crap, that's fine. You know, don't, you don't have to take that on, but if it feels no. helpful, then take it on. So, you know, I just I throw that out there. It's the same with any kind of, personality type or you know if you got advice from a material reader or you know if you've been reading your if you're following an astrologer these are all the same advice you know if it feels helpful if it feels clarifying then great use it and if it does not then keep moving and if you are in the in the Plum Deluxe Facebook group and you have any questions about the Enneagram I'd be more than happy to interact with you there and just okay I'll answer any questions yeah, um, I will follow up with Katie afterwards and get some links. So if you are listening and you're like, well, wait, wait, what is my Enneagram? Go to fondelux.com and click on blog podcast. Look for Katie Taylor. And then in the show notes, we'll have a couple of options for you on how you can get your type and see, try that on for size, see what you think. Yeah. So Katie, ah, this has been a delightful conversation, but we have ran out of time. Thank you so much for being here. And I'd like to close before we get your personal information. Tell us uh, the question I ask all my guests. What does it mean to you when I say 
creating moments that matter? What comes up for you when you hear that phrase? So it really, it all goes back to this question of presence. I think anything that I do when I am as present as I can be, because again, it's that continuum, the more present I am, the more I will be there for the moment. And whether that moment just includes me and my tea or me and nature, or whether it includes another human being or, an, or another animal, another being of any kind, the, ma- the moment will matter more because I was there, because I was there with more of me. The moment will matter more because I was there. Hmm. That's beautiful. Katie, where's the best place for us to find you online? So, yeah, so my website, www.katietaylor.com, and that's K-A-T-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Yeah. And you have a lot of, um, you know, free ebooks and downloads and things to explore. Yes. Yeah, there's lots of free stuff, including web uh, recipes and blog posts and that welcoming the sacred ebook is there as well. Yeah. There's also Enneagram information, so you can find out more about the Enneagram there, too. Yes. And you teach yoga where? St. Paul, Minnesota? Is that your... Yeah. Yes. St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, my little okay, local so, yoga center. <laughs> yeah. So hope that you're in that area. Make sure to get on Katie's radar. Yeah, awesome, Katie. Well, well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it, was, it was just a delightful conversation. And again, everyone, if you're listening, wanted to follow up with the links, didn't catch a website URL, it's uh, just go to plumdelux.com, click on blog podcast, and then look for Katie's episode, and we'll have all the notes and some of these wonderful tweetable quotes there for you. So that's it for today. We'll catch you next time on another edition of Plum Deluxe Tea Time. Love trying new teas? Treat yourself to a Plum Deluxe Tea of the Month subscription. For only $10 a month, you'll receive a hand-blended, all-organic loose-leaf tea, thoughtfully chosen for the season. Tea Club members also enjoy special benefits like discounts, free shipping on all purchases, and access to our very loving and supporting tea community. A tea subscription also makes a fantastic gift. Visit plumdeluxe.com tea and join us. Did you enjoy this episode of Plum Deluxe Tea Time? Be sure to visit plumdeluxe.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Blend, so you don't miss a future episode. Then tell a friend about Plum Deluxe and our supportive community. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thank you for listening. You are wonderful.